Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Um, this Sunday is like any other given Sunday. Um, and, but the special focus is we are uh, focusing on healing this Sunday. Um, and the reason for that is... Um, we have seen in the congregation a rise in illness. And to quote a great Canadian, well open to, well, some of us will know him, Bruce Coburn. Um, he, he said, you know, we must kick against the darkness until the sun rises. And in many ways, when we pray for healing, it feels like that. And it just felt right to take this morning and to have it set apart to pray for the sick who are here and those who aren't. And uh, don't worry, we've learned never to surprise Texans because uh, you never know how they'll respond. And uh, even some Tennesseans and others. But, you know, so it's all, you know, it all will be in the bulletin. But we wanted to start just by sharing with you a testimony of uh, what God has done. So, Mary Beth, I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm handing you this. It's like an ice cream cone. So there we go. The sound team told me to tell you that. Um, <laughs> Uh, tell us, we sat in your kitchen a month ago or so, and you told us some news. And tell us, if you don't mind sharing, what that news was. Yes, I had recently been to my doctor for my just annual checkup. And unbeknownst to me, he kind of walked in and was just like, hey, don't, don't you have a lump you wanted me to examine? And I remembered, I do, I do, I do. And I... Um, as a female, you're required to, or asked to give yourself self-exams every month. And I had forgotten that I had seen something or felt something. And um, it was really the Lord. I, um, he just kind of said, he's like, do you have anything you want me to look at? I was like, oh my gosh, I do. I totally forgot. And so he examined me, found um, what I had found, and sent me for further testing. And I went and had a mammogram and an ultrasound. And the radiologist came in. Mid, midway through my ultrasound, and typically just a tech stays in there. And the radiologist came in and said, hey, we're not seeing good things. Um, it looks like early stages. You're really young. So you have everything, um, every reason to be hopeful long-term, but um, we need to do like oh, a couple more tests but before we do a biopsy. And so 
we kind of just shared with you all that we really felt like I had I had breast cancer. I mean, everything was kind of leading up to that point, and so I was awaiting my next appointment after that. Um, and so the next appointment comes. They do a biopsy, and um, and then there are further appointments. But just tell us a little bit about what it was like in the waiting, and kind of how that was for you, because. I mean, the health system here in Texas is incredible, but there still are wait times, right? They can't do it when we want. We yeah. have to, you know, wait. So what was the waiting like? Um, <laughs> um, I read somewhere that when you are undergoing cancer, you live from appointment to appointment. And it was appointment to appointment. And it's not three days from now. And I was aggressively... Um, seeking after appointments. My father is in the healthcare business. He runs a hospital up north um, in Frisco. And so it's not like I'm without resources. And even with all the resources at my disposal, it was 10 days out, eight days out, you know, you get your results back in a few days, not in a day. Um, but the process, I felt the Lord really draw near. Um, I would say the thing that was so sweet was just even when I felt like I really did feel a sense of peace in the Lord, like even though thinking it was cancer, I felt like he was like, I love you and I have you. I wasn't alone in this, but, and I did have a sense of peace, but the struggle of waiting and the agony of not knowing is a real agony. And so the, 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 you had a biopsy done and the news came back. I mean, sometimes... I hate it when people say this because it doesn't have to be this way. Sometimes they, people say it has to get worse before it gets better. Well, like, who came up with that? But anyway, so... Oh, well, so no, I had an MRI. And in the MRI, they, um, they found um, swollen lymph nodes. And so they're like, hey, this isn't looking like breast cancer. It's actually looked like lymphoma. Um, and we have a friend whose son has lymphoma. And so it kind of, like, knew a lot more what we would be undergoing. And... It's just really heavy. Um, and so then I had a biopsy scheduled. And, but I hadn't um, come to that yet. But the MRI results were pretty, I mean, my doctor called. And like typically doctors aren't one to just be like, hey, it's cancer without further testing. But for them to really unleash that, I felt like they put, felt pretty confident in what they were reading and seeing in the MRI. So, so you go to the, the meeting uh, or the appointment before the lymphoma biopsy? Is that the right way to say mm -hmm. it? Who's with you? Hunter. Hunter, okay. And um, you're in there, and what happened next? Um, so we're in the appointment, and that was this past week, and they basically they like, kind of like tell you what the procedure is going to look like. They were going to biopsy multiple spaces, and so they have to confirm it's like a, you know, just a routine just to make sure everything's still where they got to be. So they go to do the ultrasound and the text says, I, I can't, I can't find anything. <laughs> and she was like, it's, it's not lining up with your imaging. And then so she checks the other space and she's like, that, that's not there. And then, like, the radiologist and, like, all these other people come in the room. and There's they're always like, a parade, isn't there, when they're yeah. confused? They always bring there were all, all these people in this room. <laughs> You're like, I don't, hi. 
And um, they're like, your images that you are, that we have are not lining up with what we're seeing today. There's literally nothing to biopsy. Um, so go home. <laughs> now, you said your father runs a hospital near the Oklahoma border. <laughs> yeah. Frisco. Feels like it. Um, what was his, because, you know, it's one thing, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I we couldn't read a scan if he tried, but, yeah. um, you know, what was his reaction? Um, he just said, wow, like, what a miracle. This is what we prayed for and hoped for. I mean, I think you feel like it's a miracle when you're experiencing it, but doctors are so skeptical. I mean, the funniest was the radiologist. He's like, well, I just think you had bad imaging done. <laughs> and you're like, classic, yes, classic yes. It, it was poor imaging those first three rounds. <laughs> um, and um, my dad was like, no, this really is, he's like, this is amazing. So I think when you stump the scientists and they're forced to, to see that they can't explain it um, other than God's love, it's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mary Beth, you're part of the prayer ministry team? Yes. Um, and in a little bit, we're going to be praying for people. Uh, I just want to thank you for sharing. That's quite yeah. a lot to share. It's recent news, breaking news even, one might say. Um, <laughs> let's pray for you, and then uh, we'll go from there. Why don't you stretch out a hand okay. of blessing? Um, and just, okay, yeah. Thank Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you that as we've sung, you're the God who heals. And we pray that you continue what you started in Mary Beth. And we pray not only for Mary Beth, we pray for all in this congregation. And we even dare to pray for all who we know, who are near and dear to us, who are battling with cancer. That what you did in Mary Beth, you would do in them. And that we would see, Lord, hope, joy, peace, but above all, your presence, your comfort, and your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary Beth, thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. It's, you know, we get firsthand uh, often, you know, the role of uh, a priest or a pastor is you tend to be the person often that people call when they're having their worst day. Um, and just because of that insider information uh, and just seeing the rise of, of, um, of illness, not just here amongst us, um, but really um, or in, in the world around us is what it's led us to. So I just want to talk you through in the time that I have left about what healing looks like and how we do it here at St. Bart's, because it is likely different than your experience previously, depending on what kind of churchmanship you've come from. Um, and it's all in the book, right? So you can read ahead. It isn't exactly choose your own adventure, but it's close. Um, if you look at the readings uh, that we had read to us uh, this morning, um, you'll see here in uh, Isaiah 42, verse 3, um, Jesus is prophesied about, and he says that he, the Holy Spirit will be upon him, and a bruised reed he won't break, and a smoldering wick he won't snuff out. 
um, which is so encouraging because um, the reason why a lot of churches don't pursue healing is because it's, it's difficult, it's painful. And because it's a mystery. If I had it my way, everyone with cancer would be healed. And uh, thankfully for the world and the universe, I am not God. But there's still a mystery. There's an incredible mystery involved. And on the same day that we heard of Mary Beth's miracle, we heard of two close people, two friends, whose prognosis went far worse. And the difficulty with healing is that we're called to be a, a community that weeps with those who weeps and, with, and who rejoices with those who, re, who rejoice. And, um, you know, we've talked about cancer, but uh, the rise of autoimmune disorders, the rise of all kinds of things, of allergens that cause all kinds of problems, it just has provoked me and provoked us to want to take up that place of prayer and to pray to see God do incredible things. Some of you will know that uh, not long ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And uh, the birthday that followed my son Thomas, um, it's a perilous thing to go into City View Antiques on Walling Road in, uh, in our neighborhood. Because you never know if you'll need a truck to leave with the, the treasures you found. But my son got me for my birthday this little um, figurine of a bison. And he just thought it looked cool. And then I started to look uh, into, you know, okay, so I have this bison. What, 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 what's great about bison? Um, I'm sure I could smoke bison meat and it would taste delicious, but probably not this figurine. Well, unlike cattle, when a storm approaches, take a cow or a herd of cattle, uh, as the wind uh, precedes the storm, what the cattle will do is they'll, they will wander with the wind and they will go away from the storm. Uh, not so the bison. The bison turn and they head straight for the storm. They walk right into the storm because instinctively they know that if they walk to the storm, that the storm will be over more quickly. I thought, oh my word, my son's a prophet. <laughs> and has a great eye and expensive taste. Um, and that's the extent of my knowledge of husbandry. But um, to me, it's been a powerful sign in my journey of healing, of, you know, my journey's been different. I've not been miraculously healed in that way, but the Lord has met me in my healing journey. And uh, the community around me has helped me turn and walk into the storm. And to me, that's a powerful image of what the, the church is meant to be like when it comes to walking with people who are sick. Because when you are sick, when you have an illness, when you have a bereavement, when something happens, when the worst day comes, the first thing that happens is isolation. And you feel alone. And we are never meant to go through life alone. And so the first thing when we pray for healing is we want to break down that isolation. And so how we pray matters. You know, you don't want to hurt people while trying to help them. And so things you will never hear at St. Bart's are you haven't been healed because you don't have enough faith. Uh, I've searched the scriptures and Jesus never says that. Jesus never rebukes someone he's tried to heal because 
They didn't have it. He rebukes religious leaders. So if you can utter the prayer of help, you're uttering a prayer of faith in the eyes of Jesus. The second reading you saw here in the Psalms, 41 verses, verse 3, is the Lord sustains them on their sickbed and ministers to them in their illness. That's a tough one, isn't it? It can be. One of the things I had to do that probably none of you have to, but in the off chance some of you may need to, is there comes a point where um, the first thing is the expectation on you when you're sick is not to be an incredible prayer intercessor. It's not to have the faith to pray for yourself, but it's to rely on the prayers of the community around you. The second thing is, so as we rely on them, is that there comes a moment which is very similar to the prayer help, is where we have to repent. Not repent away from something, but the other, which means to turn away from something, but to turn towards. And I had to come to the question, the answer to the question, do I still believe that God is good if I am sick? Sometimes we have to choose to turn and walk back towards who the scriptures tell us that Jesus is. Because remember, we're not invited to be feelers, though our feelings have a place. We're invited to become believers. And sometimes that repentance is a turning back towards trust when we've been hurt and when we're in pain and when we're disagreeable with everyone around us because we're just not well. And that prayer of trust isn't a long collect. It's not a deeply profound theological prayer. It's, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Like, what's incredible is the bar that Jesus sets is so low. It's the only reason I can be in this business, right? Because I always feel like I was the remedial one at the back of the class in seminary. But never mind. It's, and so we, I just want to set the stage for that. I have been in prayer meetings for healing where I've had to tell the person praying for me, don't make me hurt you. Because they started to tell me that if you have faith, you'll be healed. And I said, well, how can I have faith? Well, see, you have faith by having faith. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's true. I disagree. Right? So when we pray for people, the person receiving prayer, it's all about them. It's all about them, and they, we want to respect the person receiving prayer. We count them and how with the utmost dignity, and we count it as an honor to be able to stand with them with what they're going through and invite the Lord's presence in to bring healing. Now, sometimes, and you'll see this is one of our values, sometimes what happens is, is that there's an incredible sense of peace. Oh, I can breathe again. Sometimes there's a sense of people will say, I feel heat somewhere. I was praying yesterday and I had my hands out in the kitchen and I felt incredible heat in my right hand and actually I just realized I left the burner on. So I turned it off. 
Sometimes we pray and we feel absolutely nothing. And it's all very normative. Sometimes there's a delay. Sometimes we pray for healing. It's like washing your hair. You have to receive prayer multiple times to get all the product in so that you can actually get to the hair. And, you know, some of us use non-water soluble product. And, you know, that's how it goes. More than you ever thought you'd hear about hair today, but there we are. And then we come to Matthew 21. <clears throat> and I'm just going to explain to you as we move on what's going to happen. We looked briefly last week at the cleansing of the temple and how Jesus called the temple his home because he wanted to make it possible for everyone on the face of the earth to feel at home in his Father's presence. And after he display, cleanses the temple, the, in Matthew's Gospel, the first thing that happens is where it's recorded, that, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Now, if you're blind and lame, there was one place you could never go, which is in the temple because you were unclean. You were socially ostracized and told you could never be in God's presence. But because of all the cacophony of what Jesus has done, the unclean, the people who are never allowed to go into the Lord's presence, come into the Lord's presence. And instead of their stuff poisoning the atmosphere, instead of whatever was going on in their bodies, in their minds, their emotions, poisoning what was going on in the temple, we find that the presence of God in Jesus enters them and changes them. Isn't that incredible? And often we think, oh, I, I just can't receive prayer because I'm just so needy or whatever that is. And, you know, we are all needy. We are. And that's okay. And we're invited in the need with the, to come into his presence so that Jesus' presence can come into our lives and bring about change. So in a moment, we're going to do a very specific set of prayers for the people. Uh, it's all written out for you here in your bulletin. Followed by that, we're going to do something called, we're going to consecrate oil for healing, which means that we have very ordinary oil. It's not that ordinary. It smells kind of nice. Um, and uh, I was at a prayer meeting once where we accidentally used chili oil. That was not pleasant. Um, um, what we're going to do is we're going to pray that the Lord sets aside this oil as a tool for us, as a help for us, to pray for healing. This isn't magic. This is not Harry Potter. This is not, there's nothing special about this oil except that we have chosen to set it aside as a help in how we pray. It will smell nice and that's pleasant. What, what happens is, is that you, after we've consecrated the oil, the, uh, we'll have four teams up here up front. The band will play. And if you would like prayer, you don't have to, all can. None must, some will. Come forward, and any, any of the four teams will do, and they will anoint you with oil and say a simple prayer of healing. Sometimes we think that in order for healing prayer to work, we have to have very profoundly accurate theological treatises said out loud. That's my take anyway. Not so, because the Lord knows. And what we have here is a case for the fact that it's in his heart to bring healing. Because that's what Jesus achieved on the cross. On the cross, he broke the power 
of sin, the world, and the devil. He became a curse on a tree so that we could be free from the curse of sickness and death. And one day we will see that fully when either we see him face to face or when we are raised from the dead. And what we are asking for this morning is for a foretaste of that. So that just as we've seen God move in Mary Beth and in the lives of others, we would see him move in all y'all. Whether you have an autoimmune disease, whether you have arthritis, whether you have migraines, whether you can't sleep, whatever it is, whether it's physical, emotional, come forward. And our posture is that we would count it as a real honor to pray for you. Amen.